Hey, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. Thank you so very much for taking the time to listen. As always, I do appreciate you. I wouldn't be here without you, or I, I would be, but I would just be talking to myself like I, like I usually do. So I, I think I'm in one of those situations where I just realized as I started talking that I, I haven't spoken today. So I kind of woke up and was wandering around the house and uh, got a daily dose of my morning routine of YouTube craziness and a cup of coffee. And as I started talking, I'm like, oh my God, I still have that like morning, <laughs> morning voice. So anyway, we'll try to work through that and uh, see what we can do. So today we're talking about episode 42, uh, what to do with a laying worker. Uh, this actually came out of the Discord room. So if you're not in the Discord room or you're not familiar with it, you know, this is just a place where we all collaborate and chat. I think we have almost 100 members in there now. And one of our members was like, hey, we have a laying worker. You know, what do we do? When I first saw the message, I thought, well, geez, I have no idea. I've never had that problem. And then I started thinking about it and I realized I had that problem multiple times years ago and had no idea. I didn't even realize it. I started kind of looking back to things I saw on frames and was perplexed by them. Like, oh, wow, this is really weird. Why do I see this? Why do I see that? And then I started realizing that I've actually had that before and completely did not handle it the right way and have or had really no idea what to do. So hopefully what we'll do today is we'll talk about what you can look for and what you can expect to see if you have a laying worker and uh, some of the things that cause it and you know what you can do to address it if you do have the situation in your apiary. Okay, so number one, what is a laying worker or a laying, laying worker colony? This is a condition that will occur in a colony that is not queen, right? Is, is void of a queen. So as we know, we've established and discussed many times, that queen pheromone is what makes everything right in the world within the colony. And in the absence of that, some crazy things kind of take place. So what can happen is, even though they're workers, they're, they're unmated, right? So they don't have two sets of genes like you would, like, like the queen has. The workers, their ovaries are basically suppressed. They're not uh, functional or operational because that queen pheromone dominates everything going on in the colony. In the absence of that, those ovaries can develop and they can actually start laying eggs. And this is a process that would take place over several weeks. It's not a situation where your queen goes out to get mated and she's gone for a couple of days. Next thing you know, there's a laying worker. You know, that's not the kind of scenario you would expect. This is multiple weeks of being queenless. In addition to that queen not being there and that queen pheromone not being present, there's also a, a brood pheromone that, that is present as well. So in the absence of brood and a queen, you know, again, these are some of the conditions and things that can create a laying worker. Okay, so we talked about what a laying worker colony is. We talked about what causes it and some of the things that are, are going on in the colony, you know, from a pheromone standpoint, queen, workers, you know, all of that. What do we look for? Like what signs and things should we expect to see if we have a laying worker? And there are some things that are similar between like a drone layer and a laying worker. I'm not going to dive too deep into that right now. Maybe in a minute. We'll see. A laying worker, think about the size of her abdomen compared to the size of a, of a queen. The queen has that really long abdomen, 
which makes it easy for her to insert the egg deep down into the cell. So typically she'll put her abdomen all the way down to the bottom of the cell, drop a single egg, and then she'll walk away and go to the next cell. So if you look in there, you can see that you know the egg is generally kind of standing up or right near the middle. A worker can't really get in there that to that depth, and they're kind of disorganized. They don't have the same level of control that a queen would have. So you'll look into a cell, and you'll see eggs on the side, eggs all over the place. You'll see two, three, four, five eggs in a single cell. That's kind of a dead giveaway. The other thing you can look for is if you're starting to see a lot of drone brood kind of right in the middle, right? It's, it's common to have drone brood typically like down near like the lower left and the lower right corners or in some hives, depending on how they're, they're configured, you know, maybe upper left, up, left, upper right, but they are definitely on the corners with a drone layer or a laying worker, you're going to have drone brood kind of all over the place and the worker cells aren't big enough to accommodate drone brood. So they will basically, you know, kind of open the cells and push them to the edges and and expand them to make them big enough to accommodate drones. If you notice that, if you see that, that's obviously a clear indicator when you start to see all of these widening cells that are significantly larger than they would be for workers. The other thing you'll notice is how it's very sporadic. You'll see like capped drone here and then five or six cells over there's another couple and then 10 or 12 cells the other way you'll see a few more it's not an actual like brood pattern like you would see with a healthy queen so while we're talking about a drone layer i, I think well, while we're kind of in that area let's go ahead and cover that too with the drone layer it's still a bit more organized like a like a queen would be where you'll still see like the you know the one egg per cell or whatever but you're just getting nothing but drones now we know that the worker is only going to be able to provide one half of the genetics. I uh, got to dig back to the old science biology. I think it's the haploid, some kind of, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one half of the genetic structure needed to create another bee. So they will only get drones. They will only produce drones. So that's kind of another indicator, particularly if you have a colony that's been you know queenless and with a laying worker for a long time, you just see drones all over the place. Now, how are we going to fix this? The first thing that is the most intuitive thing to do is the worst thing to do, which would be to add a new queen. The colony already thinks they have a queen that's laying, and the the colony would typically be weaker anyway, right? You generally don't have really big, huge, strong colonies with laying workers. It's typically, you know, maybe there's been a swarm or a couple of splits, And queens didn't make it back from mating flights and different things may have occurred that are gradually weakening that hive, right? Because as your bees are aging off, particularly in the spring and the summer when they're working, you know, their lifespans are somewhere between, depending on who you talk to, I always used to say like 52 to 56 days. Some say as low as 40, some say around 60, but let's just say you're getting about 50 days out of a worker. And, you know, as they start to age off and you're not replacing them with new brood, you're going to get diminishing population. So that will inherently weaken the colony over time. But if you, like I said, if you add that mated queen into that colony, she's going to get destroyed. So here are some things that, that I've seen people do, heard people do. Like I said, I honestly, I, I thought that I had never seen this before until I started thinking about it and realized that I definitely saw it just didn't handle it the right way. 
I've seen some people basically take the whole thing apart where they, they take their whatever full size colony nukes, whatever their whatever is queenless. They'll basically pull out the frames and they walk out into the middle of the field somewhere, shake all the bees out in the field. And then what if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Whatever resources are on the frames, they'll drop them into other colonies, and that colony is just gone. I think if the colony is small enough and weak enough, or so weak, I guess would be a better way to say it, that may not be a bad approach. If you actually have a lot of bees and a lot of resources, you just happen to have a laying worker, you know, you can make the case for trying to find a way to salvage them. So we'll dive into that here next. Hey, everyone, thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable. In order to help keep the lights on, we do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there, and I appreciate you. We will be right back. All right, everyone, welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. That's right, the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. It could be a real thing. You never know. Okay, so the other option that you can do is... You know, we always like to hold on to those foragers if we can, because generally speaking, if you have a laying worker, probably not the foragers, right? The foragers are out doing their things. You know, I always, I always have that mindset of what was it? Uh, was it Bee Life, Bee's Life, whatever it was, where they had those guys with like the aviator jackets and like they're going out with their big pollinating guns or whatever. Anyway, another thing that you can do is take that colony, uh, you know, take the whole box. You can drop a box in, in the place of where it was this, you know, this laying worker colony, you can either put a box there in its place. Uh, that's probably what I would recommend at least to have kind of a placeholder. So any returning foragers have a place to go, but people will just walk out into a field or, you know, hundred yards away or whatever you can accommodate, you know, in your neighborhood or in your yard or apiary. And they will shake all of the bees off all of the frames, go back to their original colony. So let's just say for the sake of argument, we're dealing with a 10 frame deep and maybe you have six frames are drawn out and you have four frames of foundation. They'll take like those six frames or whatever, throw them in a nuke box or another box, get all the bees out of there, walk, you know, 100 yards away, shake all of the bees off, put those frames back in. And in addition to those frames that have you know, resources and other things on them, they'll go ahead and drop in a frame or two of mixed brood, you know, capped brood and some uncapped brood. And then go ahead and requeen the colony at that time or allow them to create a queen, you know, from all of the, the uh, nurse bees that are on the frames already that you moved over from another colony. And then that way, 
the laying worker is hopefully out in the field wherever you shook those frames off and you've got enough, uh, you know, enough brood and everything is now present to give that, that colony what it needs to, to kind of resume normal operations. They should then have that kind of brood smell present. If you put a queen cell in there, perfectly fine, right? They recognize a queen cell as a potentially viable queen. So that's another option that you could do. Queen cell, mated queen, uh, any of those things would be, would, should be good for that. You just got to remember that mixing in the queen with the existing colony, a mated queen with the existing colony is where you get in some trouble. Another approach that you could do is, let's say you had an apiary with, I think I saw uh, Adam the other day. And he mentioned in the Discord that, that he was up to like 21 colonies. I, I feel like that's a massive explosion in his col- in his apiary the other, from what he was doing in the past. But uh, I think he started the season with like four or something like that. So I got to catch up with him and get the details on that. But um, if you have a lot of colonies, like let's say you have five, six, seven colonies, and you're, you're dealing with a small five or six frame, you know, queenless, um, you know, laying worker colony, or maybe it's a five frame nuke. Another option you have is to just divide those frames among five or six different colonies. Just pull one frame per colony, put it into another colony in place of a piece of, you know, wax foundation or undrawn comb. And you essentially just decommission the colony. You're saving some of the workers. They can continue working and supporting another hive. And, you know, you just just kind of decommission them in a way that allows them to still be contributing members of the bee society. And again, like I kind of mentioned before, whenever I'm doing this, I always use a little bit of smoke, right? Just, you know, a few puffs of smoke here and there blocks any kind of differences in, in pheromone, alarm pheromones and things. And within a few minutes, they'll all integrate and be happy. Now, if you're concerned about this, there is another method that some people use Again, I don't do it. It's not that I think it's wrong. I just, I've done other things with merging hives before and I haven't had an issue with it. So I don't worry about it. But it's basically the newspaper method. So think about a, a regular queen right strong colony. You've got a deep, let's say you have a deep with a queen excluder and maybe a medium on top. And you want to bring in your laying worker colony. You want to save all the bees that are there, but you want to fix them and make them right again. You could take take off your medium honey super, take off your queen excluder, put down just a thin sheet of newspaper, you know, just a single sheet across the top of that deep, set the laying worker colony deep on top of that, put your queen excluder back on, put your medium honey super back on, and just let it go, right? Because what will happen is the, the bees will slowly kind of chew through the newspaper, they'll get to meet each other. Everybody will have a time, an opportunity to kind of gradually get used to any differences or changes in pheromone, the real strong colony below. Again, a key factor here, right? You want a strong colony. You do not want a weak, even though they are a queen, right? They need to be a strong colony, big population, very healthy, a lot of brood, all that kind of good stuff. But that newspaper method allows them to kind of gradually get access to each other and hopefully realize that they're all on the same team and you know they're all working towards the same cause. So that's kind of what you do to address a laying worker colony. Not that difficult. You're not that hard to do. Pretty easy to recognize. Again, you're looking for, uh, you know, larger than normal cells inside the worker brood, spotty brood pattern, lots of extra eggs in the sides, the middle, you know, three, four, five eggs per, uh, per cell. It's pretty easy to tell when you have that, 
those conditions. I believe that is all I have for this. It's a relatively short episode. I just kind of wanted to get this out there to uh, support the immediate question. And I think I've got like, there were so many questions that came up recently in emails and in the discord room. So I got to jump on to uh, the next episode and keep recording here and get some more out there for everybody. As always, please feel free to reach out, Jeff, at beekeepingfornewbies.com. If you hit the homepage on beekeepingfornewbies.com, there is a link there to the Discord room. Love to have you in there. Like I said, we're, we're pushing 100 members now. Uh, I'm not in there all the time, but we have some great members in there who are smarter than me, who are doing a great job of supporting things and keeping the conversation going. So you don't need me to, to talk to each other. So it's a really great space and place to collaborate. And I'm really, really happy to be bringing everybody together and, and uh, you know, seeing what's going on there. It's pretty exciting and pretty cool. So have a great day. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there in the world. Call your mom if she's still around. And uh, that's about all I got. Take care. We'll talk to you soon.